The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hi there, I'm Rebecca Lowe. Welcome along to the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast, where you can get the latest can't-miss content from NBC's coverage of one of the best leagues in the world. Be sure to tune in on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern for Premier League mornings on NBCSN and Peacock Premium. But for now, we hope you enjoy the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. Tim Howard, that was the 45 minutes that Frank Lampard needed. Yeah, uh, I think I think Saka was their best player, to be quite honest <laughs> with you. Unfortunately, um, it was better in terms of when the ball turned over, they hunted the ball more, and it mm. turned over, and they were more direct, which is what we were saying needed to happen. They they created mistakes, uh, particularly in, in the Crystal Palace penalty area, that needed to be finished, and well played to Chelsea. I think in some respects, Rebecca, that first half, Frank probably said, make sure we keep it clean. Mm. And second half, we did see a little bit more, more pace, a little bit more, more intent. Kurt Zuma has been a plus, a couple of goals, but defended well and looks like the partner at the moment to Thiago Silva. Mm -hmm. Jorginho controlling the game, playing with pace. And I do like the flourishing kind of play of, of Chilwell going on the outside and Timo Werner coming in. That looks like it's settling down nicely. So you can take some good things away from performances and players, but the most important thing, you just mentioned it, a clean sheet is huge yeah. for Chelsea. And Frank Lampard said that uh, afterwards that that has been dealt with in the dressing room, mm -hmm. that situation, which is interesting whether or not maybe he's a bit annoyed possibly at Tammy Abraham. But yeah. don't you want your striker to try and to try and get any possible goal they can, even if ultimately it's the right choice don't to give it to Don't mind it, Rebecca, but rules are rules in mm -hmm. the dressing room. And if you're the penalty taker when it's 1-1 in a big game, you're the penalty taker when you're 3-0 up and you still have your chance. And I like to, as Tim said, from Aspilicueta, captain goes in, tells him what he's done, get on with it and we score the goal. Chelsea really needed a clean sheet. So what better days than to play Crystal Palace, who really offered very little going forward. So Edouard Mendy at least didn't have a save to make, so he didn't have to make a mistake at least. <laughs> it's, it's the best day for a goalkeeper. They needed a clean sheet. We talked about it before. Mm. Chelsea desperately needed to play well defensively. It helped because Palace sat back. But Palace has offered threats all season long, so really well done to get a clean sheet. It's interesting with the keeper, because sometimes I think they'd rather have lots to do, make some saves and say, oh, Mendy's a really good keeper, or... You sit behind her and have nothing to do. Which is better? Yeah, I, I prefer not having to say the ball <laughs> my career. Obviously. <laughs> uh, will Lampard have any concerns after today, Robbie? Um, the first half was a bit slow and, and, and a bit sort of tepid, but I think that was about making sure they kept a clean sheet. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that they have to be aware of, Becca, Rebecca, and I was thinking of it, it, it as like, if I'm playing Chelsea, it's like, Spent a load of money, the, the, the team in the opposite room. Let's go and show them that money doesn't get you anything in this league. So they're going to have to make sure they take care of business mm -hmm. like they did today and like they didn't do as well last weekend. When they should beat teams, they've got to go out and make sure they get the goals. They've won their first seven games now in all competitions to start the season, have Everton. And before the game, you said what you were interested in, amongst many things, was whether James Rodriguez would fancy it in, a wet, in the wet conditions of Liverpool today. Mm. He did. Not only did he fancy it, he looked like he was enjoying it. You know, the, 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 when you look at his first goal, he tra he's the one tracking back, winning the ball in midfield, then breaking on again, getting around the back post. Look, it'd be easy for Hymas to just pick up little pockets and play good-looking, attractive football. But he's doing the running, he's doing the, he's doing the dirty work, he's tracking. It's, it's fantastic to see. Can the Everton fans get carried away? Four wins from four? They should. They should. <laughs> this is good. This is very good. Liverpool, what do you think, Liverpool Rob? to come, but he, yeah. he's right where, where Tim's right, and people were questioning Hammers, not his ability, and not but the, the days in the English football in the English Premier League. Is he going to fancy it? Well, he did today, and and what it showed me, Rebecca, was there was an enthusiasm and there was an enjoyment for the hard work. Not only were Everton good going forward and got the goals, but they enough closed down well. There were tackles flying in, and and when you get that in a dressing room, when you get that around a group of players, it starts to be infectious. How does Graham Potter turn Brighton from a, a useful, quite good team into a team that actually takes points home? Mm. Where you've got to have more end product. Brighton last season stayed up and, and did a great job, and this season started off 
playing good games, you'll say they're a decent football team, Rebecca, but they lose matches. You've got to turn performances into points, into wins. And there's that little balance between having possession and scoring goals and winning matches. All the players applauded off. What a brilliant game of football. Pep Guardiola there at the end, full of smiles with Mike Dean, the referee, with his counterpart there, Marcelo Bielsa, the Leeds manager, his great friend. Mm. But it's two points dropped yeah. for Manchester City. It's not a good start to the season, Robbie. No, you can't be happy that if you won up, Rebecca, uh, at half-time, I think they had 23 shots during the game in the second half, didn't have a shot on target. Uh, there was a period in the game when Leeds stepped on their fitness and looked like they were, they were, they were going to go on and, and get a goal. And as you say, it wasn't that long ago Manchester City were winning Premier League titles and setting the standard for, for English football while Leeds were still trying to get out of the Championship. Mm. Today, the two teams have gone toe-to-toe, they've slugged it out, and it feels about the right result. Before the game, you thought that probably the quality difference would tell. In the end, Manchester City would take away all three points. It didn't happen. Why? As Robbie said, I think there was, a, there was almost a lack of fitness in the end. Leeds seemed to be more up, more up for it. They seemed to want, want and desire the game more. It's worrying times for me at City because we know in order to chase the title, mm. which is Liverpool's, mm. they almost have to be perfect. Last yeah. week, they were clearly far from perfect. And today, they look sluggish. I was expecting a response, and it didn't happen. Could they, if Alan St. Maximin, Callum yeah. Wilson, Ryan yeah. Fraser, when he maybe starts mm. games, if they're all playing their best, could they aim higher than a, a top 10 finish? Well, well, let's just have some targets first. And top 10 is a good target f- for the football club in terms of what, what impressed me more today, Rebecca, was the change of system, the, the style of play was better. There's more possession. They're working the ball through. They're creating chances. So Maximin's a threat. John Joe Shelby's passing ability. The runs in from Callum Wilson. You say you had Adam Fraser, you've got Almiron. You've got people who can get on the ball and make it happen. I just think at times, Steve Bruce has got to believe in his group a little bit mm. and believe in the players. And, and as we saw there, they were, they were head and shoulders above Burnley. Yeah. I want to talk about the England goalkeepers today. We saw Jordan Pickford, and we'll see again later, make an error earlier on and look shaky and look wobbly. In fact, he had a, not a good game overall. Mm. Same with Nick Pope. What is going on? Well, I think the goalkeepers are trying to get outside of their lane. Nick Pope wants to be this clever, footballing type of goalkeeper. He's not that. There's certain goalkeeping comes down to decision-making. No matter how good you think you are, certain balls need to go in certain areas at certain times. And when you start to have a bit of a bad game, the idea isn't to continue that. It's to be mm-hmm. safe as humanly possible and then live to fight another day. And these goalkeepers that we're seeing are taking chance after chance and and – the mistakes aren't affecting them, but they really should be. Do you think that's because the likes of Edison and Allison have changed the way goalkeeping is, so they feel under pressure that they're not enough being the keeper that they actually are? Yes. Yeah, it was like when, when Manuel Neuer started this trend. Everyone wanted to be Neuer. I, I used yeah. to tell people all the time, there's one Manuel Neuer. Yeah. There's a couple of Edison and Allison. Mm. Don't, don't try and be that because what will end up happening is mm. you'll make a ton of mistakes. So it's okay to be safe. It's okay to be clean. You don't have to be perfect. I had a few coaches say to me, I didn't, I didn't bring you here to be the best player on the field. And that's true with all goalkeepers. Who do you think the England number one is, just quickly, right now? Dean Henderson. <laughs> and he's not playing. And he's never played he, for England. No, he gets better. He, he gets better every time Pope and, and, and Pickford play mm-hmm. like that. Rodrigo, you scored your first goal for Leeds. How does that feel tonight? I feel, of course, very happy for the goal and, of course, for the result. No, I think uh, it's a great result for us. Uh, first 20 minutes of the game, we didn't play very well. Uh, but after this, I think we play a very good game. Uh, we have uh, our chances to win the game. Uh, of course, they, they had also. Uh, but uh, I think uh, we are very happy for, the, for our performance today and uh, to keep uh, the good results with the last two wins and today a great result against a great team. Raheem, I know it's an old cliche, but that looked like basketball out there, attack oh. versus attack. Yeah, it was a crazy game, full of energy from start to finish. And, you know, our manager told us what they'll be like and that's exactly what they were like for, for the 90 minutes. So it's a credit to them. They worked their socks off, played some good football and, and, and got the goal they deserved. Even though you were well prepared for that, what was it actually like playing in it? Yeah, it was a, it's a good game to play in, to be honest with you. Attack football, I haven't played. And uh, for City, in a game like that for a long time, you know, normally teams are behind the ball um, and trying to wait for us and then counter-attack. But these lot, you know, they were right in your faces. They played some good football at times, so as I said, it's a credit to them. Marcelo, what are your thoughts on that game? It was wonderful for us to watch. 
que cuáles son sus pensamientos de ese partido que para ellos fue un, un encanto para ver. El comienzo del partido y el final del partido fue del City. Y el fin del primer tiempo y el comienzo del segundo fue <coughs> un poco mejor para nosotros. Ellos para superarnos eh, no necesitan exigirse como tenemos que hacerlo nosotros para equilibrar el partido. For them to be superior to us is, is, is pretty easy for them. It doesn't require as much effort. Whereas for us, it, just to be on level terms, it requires us to go to the limit. Pep, where and how do you sum up that extraordinary game? That was good, huh? Yeah, it was good. Uh, when both teams want to attack, they want to do it. Yeah, but, yeah, good game, fair result. So we make an incredible 30 minutes when we could to score. The goals that we could not, we knew that this is a team alleged that uh, until the final whistles are are there. So we we knew it, and, uh, but uh, the team with the position, the situation that we have, without precision and uh, a lot of players out, uh, they show they they show they show an incredible incredible behavior. Unfortunately, we could not win, but uh, yeah, we move on from here. Do you have to take into account perspective, as you say, the players that you are missing to achieve that result? Today? No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not complaining one second. For I'm sad for for them. They are not here. But all the credit for these guys that since we are starting against Wolves, against Leicester, indeed they have done. So if we could complain in because uh, for the absence uh, we could not play the way we play today. It looked like a lovely moment between you and Marcelo Bielsa at the end. What were you saying to him? He he made a question. So how he, he said to me, "What is your opinion about the game?" And I said, "After one second, I am not able to. <laughs> I'm not able to analyze the game. Maybe so he's, you know, more much clever than me. I am not. I need time to process to know how was the game. But I said I think it was a good game. It was fair, and that's why the result is the result." Well, it finished 1-1, but it could have gone either way, really, and especially in the second half. It was all Leeds United in terms of chances, Robbie Earl. Yeah, well, 1-0 down, Leeds were coming back into the game. Rodrigo's on the pitch, he wants to score, that's decent defending, but the goal did come, courtesy of a, a poor fist from Edison, Rodrigo scores, and then what was surprising the back was, was how many looks at goal Leeds get. We know they had more passes, more possession, which is unusual against the City team, but there were some good chances in there. Edison comes up with a brilliant save, that one from Rodrigo. We've got five or six good chances here where Leeds are really putting Manchester City on the, on the back foot, and they were at full stretch in the end to, to, to um, keep the point, and in the end had to be happy with a point. This is Bamford running through, although he was offside on this one, but we saw enough occasions where the Elsa's team really put Manchester City to the sword. Tim, it's interesting. I wonder whether the way Marcelo Bielsa approaches these games, it, it proves that you don't have to have all the superstars and mm -hmm. spend all the hundreds of millions to approach a game the way that Pep approaches a game. Mm -hmm. Do you think that might encourage other teams this season, not just to play against City like that, but just to maybe change the way they play? I don't think so. Here's, here's why. It, it's... It's so brave to play this type of football, to go, in, to go into the Premier League and say, we're going to be expansive, we're going to be open, I want my players to take the ball. Okay, maybe I don't have the top players in the world, but I want you to take the ball and I want you to be brave. It's such a hard thing to do, to teach mm. players to do it. Their natural tendency isn't to be, be risky, not to, not, to, not to be risk takers. So when you get the entire team to buy in, that's, that's strictly down to the manager. I don't think there's going to be a lot of teams adopting that style. And does it take a long time to get everyone to buy in? Is this very much a, a few years in the making since I, he's been I, I there? I think so, and they've had, they've had a lot of practice at it. They've been very mm. good in the championship, and so this has become their identity. And so it's a little bit easier for them to take it into the Premier League, even though we obviously had questions on whether it could be sustainable. Clearly it is. And their identity is, as you say, so obvious. Yeah. And with any newly promoted team, mm. there's always a question of will they go straight back down. But yeah. that doesn't even seem to no. be anywhere near. I mean, they're no, done, no, aren't no, they? No, they're no, fine. even talking no. about it, Rebecca. And, and fortunately, in, in the league, we've seen three teams. We've seen Wolves come up, identity, certain playing with Nuno. We saw Chris Wilder with Sheffield United last season. And Leeds are going to be the team this year. And, and I pick up a point what, what Tim says is, the thing about that, Rebecca, it's really hard work. 
all the players apparently lost weight. Fitness is better. You have to drill those, those training drills and get the repetition and get the way of playing. And the other thing that will happen when you start off with this, and this is where you have to be brave, now and then it won't work. Mm. Now and then the opposition will get the ball and you have to believe in it and you have to get the players believe in it and say, it's OK, I know we made a mistake there, but we can get better and better. And that's what, what he's doing with this team. And now they can go toe-to-toe with Manchester City mm and have more possession and more passage. One of the things Pep Guardiola said this week that he learned from Marcelo Bielsa is, no matter what, always be calm. He looks at the moment incredibly <laughs> calm, despite the fact that they are sitting right now in 11th position, <laughs> one win, one draw, one defeat. Should, be, should he be a little, a little bit more bothered, Pep? Pep should be, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't, really, don't really buy his upbeat excitement about, no. about last week. I know he wasn't excited about last <laughs> week, but this <laughs> week he came out... <laughs> Bubbly. And then after today's game, he was, he was a bit jovial. And I thought to myself, mm. that wasn't a good performance. Mm. It really, really wasn't. And so off the back of, of the Leicester thrashing, yeah. you absolutely needed a response and didn't get it. So I'm a little bit taken aback by what type of game is he playing here. He's a very different pet than we saw two years ago that was driving this team to even last 100 year. points. And even last year in the chase for, for against um, Liverpool. You just wonder what is happening in the football club. Mm. Robbie must have said a couple of weeks ago, something just doesn't feel right there. And when you see things like that and you see the amount of chances that they gave up, and it's a football club that needs pulling them back together again. And it's a big test for Pep now. You know, he's paid the money, money for Diaz. He, he said he's going to be centre-back. He's going to build a team around him and Laporte. It's got to work. Let me ask you this. Is, is there a sense of maybe mental fatigue with Pep? He, he drives his players so much. We know his, his reputation yeah. is yeah. always on his players every day at training. He might, he might be thinking, yeah. my trophy case is full now. Not sure it's going to happen here. Like, I, I, it's fifth year, off. isn't it? It's his fifth year at a yeah. football club. And people have always said maybe that, that's sort of the lifespan of, of his run. It's yeah. how much people can grow. I was really interested there. I thought Kevin De Bruyne looked as frustrated as mm-hmm. I've seen him for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, thing didn't quite happen for him, didn't get on the ball as much, but just I saw a few arms flailing and things that just give you a little white. wonder what is going on behind the scenes. Mm, some of the body language is interesting. Mm. And just finally, we should just round out the story. We started with Ruben Diaz, who made yeah. his first start today, went straight into the yeah. lineup. The next Vincent Company, what did we think? I thought he did OK. He made a couple of good blocks. He, he, he looks like he's good in the air. It's going to take a, a while, Rebecca, and that's not the easiest game to go in Leeds United when they're playing at, at full tilt, but... Over the coming weeks, we'll see, you know, just how good he is. He's $83 million well spent. But I keep saying, Vincent Company wasn't just a great centre-back. He was a great presence around that football club. And right now, they, it looks like they need a bit of that presence, somebody who can pull that dressing room together. And it's interesting, because Arke was on the bench, so he played alongside Laporte. Yeah. But Arke came in for big money, and you kind of work, trying to work out who he's going to play. Who is his centre-half partnership? Well, we said before the game, just trying to figure out what, why, why bring in Arke on, on so much money if... if Laporte and Diaz are really the the ones you want to play. I, I would have I would have just thought that it was Diaz and Ake would start mm-hmm. today just based on the, them coming in. But if Benjamin Mendy keeps playing like he's playing, mm-hmm. Nathan Ake will play left back. Yeah. He'll put him in left back because at the moment, every game Benjamin Mendy gives at least one opportunity sure. to the opposition. The lovely way to start your Chelsea career, Ben. Premier League debut, Premier League goal. Yeah. Um... Brilliant, brilliant team performance. Obviously, very happy with my personal performance, but I think that's just you know great for us to start to kick on now. Um, a clean sheet, which we've obviously wanted and spoke about, um, and four great goals as a team. Um, and I like the way that you know we kept going until the end. You know, we wanted more goals, um, showed a hunger to press to press for the whole 90 minutes, and um, yeah, brilliant going into the international break. Frank Lampard was saying during the week that he expects Chelsea fans to, to feel an element of excitement from this side. Yeah, 100%. I think personally, um, and talking to the other boys that have come here, the reason that we've all come here is because we think this team can win stuff. Um, and so they showed that um, we're all hungry to win, win trophies over the next few years. Um, we just need to work hard and you know, keep making performances like today. So what's your opinion, though, of the whole 90 I thought it was comfortable. I think the difference between first and second was that we dominated possession in both, but our final third play was a lot brighter in the second. We, were, we mixed our game up. We, we started to play, get it out to Ben Chilwell, who was, was begging for the ball in the first half more than we found him. Uh, mixed a bit more speed into our game, uh, get it wide. Callum was suddenly prepared to go 1v1 with the left-back rather than come back inside. So there were a little bit of things that I thought at half-time were a bit safe in the final third. Once we changed that, we started to create. Because in that first half, everything was in front of Palace. Mm, yeah, and I didn't want them to go home 
with an afternoon in their back four saying not really a problem because of what Chelsea did and we played in front. You know, we can't play in front forever. We had a lot of good possession, a lot of build-up was OK, um, but the last bit needed to be more. And, and that, again, is a sign of where we're at. You know, we do have a, a change in system a little bit from last year generally and a change in personnel, so it's normal. It's normal. Today was a great exercise for us to, to break through a little bit today. There's a lot of work to do still, though. When you made the changes and the players you brought in were among the goals, justifying the changes. Not just that, I think uh, the, the manner of the changes also added to your performance today, didn't it? Yeah, I think so. And, and well, I've got we're, we're searching a bit at the moment. There's no doubt about that. Players are at different levels of fitness. And when you bring, you know, Tammy played with the, the exuberance that he's played at the start of the season, to be fair, he is fit. But looking for players that are coming from different leagues, Carl Havertz, I thought, was fantastic in moments today. He covered a lot of ground. He's, he's, he's going to be such a player for this club. I know that as well. Callum comes in and, and brings bits. It's in, Kirk gets a goal from a set piece. So, you know, again, I, I'm, I'm certainly not one. I was, I don't want it. There's a lot of reactionary stuff at the minute with us straight away because there's a lot of expectation. And after West Brom, people want to react. Usually I don't. And after today, 4 0, I won't react too much. We're still working. Even after the Tottenham game, which was Carabao Cup, it's not the highest of your ambitions this season. The, the noise, the amount of noise about this club, Frank, is unbelievable. I mean, you, you knew it was here because you were a player here. Mm. But that negative noise over the first two three weeks of the season must must leave you crestfallen. I'm not crestfallen, but I do... I do think that people have to remain calm, you know, and that's why I'm going to remain calm after the 4-0. I'm not going to jump up and down, and that's how I have to be because I can't get caught up in that. When you think that we, we drew a game against Tottenham and lost on penalties and controlled the first half, that's pretty normal for us. There were a lot of things out of the Tottenham game that I, that I really liked about us. We just have to get consistent with that, sustain that, and move onwards from that. So it's my job not to be reactionary, not to get to upset or down. We, we, we exceeded a lot of expectations last year. A lot, we got a lot of credit for coming fourth. Um, and fair play, I think, because of the situation. And now people have to stay calm. It's not, we're not going to go from there to 100 instantly. That's going to be a work in progress. But I'm certainly up for the work, and so are the players. One curiosity I have to ask you about, finally, is the, is the, penalty, the second penalty. Tammy wanted to take it. Your captain was very calm. said, no, you're not having it. But uh, are you having that? Are you having that situation? Well, well, firstly, it's what captains are for. I don't mind Tammy's exuberance, but it's been dealt with first by Aspie and then by me in the dressing room. No, no big deal. I don't mind a little bit of conflict in, in, the, in the moment and it's been dealt with won't happen again. It's just a bad day at the office and wipe it away or do you have to rethink something? Oh, you can never wipe things away. You know, there's some poor performances out there today, that's for sure. And I, I, the players are more than aware that one or two of them will be looking in the mirror and thinking I didn't do any, anywhere near enough or played anywhere near the level that I would like to play at. Um, but unfortunately, these, these games do happen during the course of a season and there's nothing you can do but take it on the chin and make certain that it does, you don't allow it to, to have too big an effect on your confidence. You know, we've had three very good games and I thought the confidence was going to be quite high coming at this game, as I said to you before, before the match. But unfortunately, the, the couple of mistakes we made and the... The fact that we were fighting back from, from nil two fairly early in the second half meant that we are standing here today looking at a heavy defeat. Roy Hodgson there, the Crystal Palace manager. It was interesting, Robbie, to hear from mm. Frank Lampard about saying, I don't, shouldn't be reactionary, I don't want yeah. to get too excited, I'm not <laughs> going to after a 4-0 win. We started the whole day almost 11 hours <laughs> yeah. ago talking about how reactionary Absolutely. Frank Lampard is, but he shouldn't. After beating no. Crystal Palace at home by four goals to nil, that should just be... Regular, should it not, mm. for Chelsea? Yeah, it was interesting when he was asked about the noise around Chelsea because it was interesting, the noise is around Newcastle with Steve Bruce. Uh, the other team I was thinking, maybe West Ham. There's, there's certain clubs are back who the media are going to get into. They've either spent money and it's not well spent, they've overspent, pressure's on them, not winning results. And Chelsea are that football club and, and that's what Frank's got to come to terms with. But you're 100% right. Today I'm thinking 4-0 against Palace. That's what this Chelsea team should do. Mm. The amount of money they spent, the amount of quality they've got, if they're organised, if they defend properly and they put in the effort that's required, they should blow teams away. And the big challenges should be the top two or three teams, the Liverpools, the Man Cities, maybe United and, and Spurs and Arsenal. Those are the games that might go either way. Mm. But they've got to get into a rhythm where they put teams away like Liverpool do, ruthless, win games and move on. He cited Jurgen Klopp in the week and talked about how it took him a few years to get to where Liverpool are. And he just said there in that interview, we're not going to go from fourth all the way to the top immediately. So this season has to see some sort of progress from fourth, though, mm. doesn't it? Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not sure that that's correct. They overachieved last year, but now they've spent nearly more money than anybody in the league. So the 
gap between fourth and first isn't that big. He, they should be shooting for that. And look, I think I think Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool had a little bit more time. I'm not sure Frank gets all the time that Jurgen Klopp got because yeah. Jurgen Klopp also had a reputation for building clubs and teams into winners. Yeah. Frank doesn't have that, and he also has an owner who likes to change managers. Last season, they finished 33 points behind right. Liverpool. That gap's got, that's got to be halved. That's yeah. got to be 15, 10 to 15 points to show the progression. So we're getting closer. That's a step. We spent 300. We'll spend some more going forward, but we're getting closer to where we need to be. Best start for the club in over a century. What stood out about this performance, Dominic? I think today it was particularly second half. We didn't really play that well, I didn't think, to be honest. And we scored goals in the second half. And, you know, it's uh, the, the best teams win when they're not always on top. And I think we, we, we started the game well, to, to be fair. And I, think, I just think a solid performance again and at home, confident and creating chances and scoring goals. The manager this week said you are a complete striker. Another goal for you. What's changed? Why are you netting every game at the moment? Just self-belief, I think. I've always believed that I can get here and never stop working, listening and learning. And, you know, it's, um, sometimes it's about timing and, and age and maturity. And I've been learning from my past experiences and now I'm reaping the rewards. Carlo, your perfect run continues. What stood out about this performance? Oh, it was good. Okay, we played well. Well, we managed well the situation of the game. When we needed to defend, we defended well. We were focused. When he had the opportunity for a counter-attack, we did well. We were good on set pieces. I think that the victory was deserved. Uh, I think. And that's it. It was our goal to, to win, to, to stay at the top. And, and I think that uh, this first period uh, of the season was really good. James Rodriguez guess man of the match two goals for him did you expect him to settle in so quickly so effectively to the league? honestly yes because I know him really well I know that uh, he is this kind of player with a lot of quality with a lot of ability he played for the team never for himself it was a fantastic sign and uh, happy for him because he play is playing now with continuity and they show his quality. I think it's good for the Premier League to have players like him. Graham, uh, what's your take on that one? Yeah, frustrating. Disappointing with the result, of course, to concede the goals we have, as the scoreline makes it look disappointing from our perspective. Um, I thought, actually, first half we, we played well, did, did well to get back into the game at 1-1, and um, probably might have been the better team over the, the, at that point. And then the, the second goal just before half-time is a bit of a blow for us. I thought we started the second half not very well, made some poor decisions in terms of inviting a bit of pressure on, caused our own problems, which resulted in the third goal. Um, and then the fourth, as we're trying to push forward, we get caught in the counter-attack when we're trying to get the, you know, back into the game. So scoreline's a bit, a bit heavy, but I thought uh, in terms of shots and chances and things, we did quite well. It's just we conceded four, so that's a problem. Dominic Calvert-Lewin listening to him there talking about why he's now hitting the back of the net with such frequency and a lot of credit to him for staying at it but also credit to people at the club and you'll know this club of course better than all of us they must have seen something in him because he's been there a while to keep faith with him because his numbers before this season well maybe last season middle of last season um, were not that impressive mm. I just wonder if if as they built the club and started to get the players in the midfield that they really liked mm. and, and and solidify the back I just wonder if the last piece of the puzzle was to replace Dominic Cavallo yeah. coming into the season. Yeah. That's what, that's what yeah. I, I wonder. And with this start and with his maturity that you, that you, you see there in, in the interview, I think Angelotti believed in him. But I also think it was going to be like, let's get you replaced. Now, this is exactly what you want as a footballer. I think you, you're saying, go do the business yeah. and make them play you. In fairness to the player, Rebecca, what he's also done is, like, you bring in James Rodriguez, you, you know, you've got Gomez, you bring in Allen, you've got Dekuri, you've got Richarlison, and all of a sudden it's a bit like, are you good enough? Are you, you can be a number nine for, for Everton. And he's had to puff up his chest and he's had to show that he could. And I mean, Robbie must have had a, had a uh, conversation on, on a podcast where he said, is he going to have the football intelligence? Mm -hmm. When Hamid Rodriguez lifts his head up, is he going to be making the runs? Is he going to be showing? He's showing all that and some at the moment. He, and, and what Angelotti said, I thought was 100% right. He can run, he can jump, he's scoring goals now. He's one of those all-round number nines. Yeah, interesting stuff. OK.
Jordan, Pickford, mm. you have a package. Mm. Let's take a look. Yeah. Shall Talk we? us through. It's just not been good enough from, from Pickford. Um, it's sad to see the demise, to be honest, because here, here you see this is routine. This is bread and butter. I know it's glossy and I know the ball's spinning, but it's got to get put over the top of the goal or kept cleanly. It can't be dropped at the feet of the attacker. And we've seen these mistakes creep in. And again, as, I, as I've mentioned, Angelotti has to be looked. It was rumors last year that he might want, want to replace him. Do you think it, he will now? Yeah, this can't help his cause. The, the, the mistakes are happening way too frequently. Starting to believe his own hype a bit. Here's, here's, here's a ball that gets, it's a cross, cross come shot. And it gets put back, smacked back into the danger zone. And, and thankfully, Tom Davis is alert and alive. Otherwise, that's in the back of the goal as well. And here, again, just a casual catch turns into a punch at the feet of the, of, of the defenders. It's just not been good enough. It's, it's shaky from him. Has he not got enough of the tools of the raw materials? Angelotti, when you look at Calvert-Lewin, there's been a growth in his belief mm -hmm. and his confidence in what he does. I looked at Seamus Coleman today, who... Times looked a bit raggedy last season. Is on top of his game. Michael Keane it looks more concentrated. Is it not? Could he not work on, on just saying we need to? I almost feel like he needs to calm down a bit. Stop Correct. being so erratic. Correct. Could Angelotti manage him into being the goalkeeper that he wants? Because he, he kicks well. He can save. He's left-sided. It means good age. There's a lot of things in his favour. But I just wonder if Angelotti will believe that as a manager and how he works, I can get I can get the best out of him. Yeah. Angelotti clearly can get the best out of players, and do I think he can calm him down? Sure. Jordan is a big character. We know that. He likes, he, fan, he fancies himself. Mm. He likes the camera. That's all okay. Mm. But in moments like this, when you make mistakes, what you want to see is exactly that. The manager say, just keep it simple. Back to basics. You don't have to do anything great. Our, our team is very, very good. Mm. We're going to win football matches. Just don't concede silly goals at the back. Can it happen? Yes. Do I think it will? No. Is it urgent enough to get somebody in before Monday? No. no. So January? Yeah, I think January. Okay, Jonas Lursel is the number two, and he's not good enough, in your opinion, to no. be the number one. No, okay, so they all. need to go into the transfer market Absolutely. in January. Love it. Not mincing your words, are you, Tim Howard? There is, of course, so much credit to be given yeah. to Tottenham. But, Robbie Earl, when we look at the back pages of the mm. newspapers in Britain tomorrow, tomorrow morning, they're not going to be about Tottenham. No. They're going to be about Manchester United because that is the story. Talk to me about your thoughts. Well, just on, on the Tottenham thing, and, and just to give them credit, Rebecca, the fourth game in a week, by the way, so if there wasn't excuses, they were Tottenham's way. If it, the headlines tomorrow, Rebecca, I think in England, will say dog and duck. And the dog and duck is a pub team. It's a Sunday team. It's amateur football. Now, I think that would be an insult to the dog and duck. That's how <laughs> poorly Manchester United were today. I mean... Newly promoted teams come into the Premier League and get six goals scored against them. Manchester United, that doesn't, shouldn't happen to him, not under the watch. And we talked before the game about a signpost game. This might give us an indication of, of these two teams who are kind of vying for a similar place, who might finish better. That was horrendous by Manchester United. Can you believe what you're seeing today? No, but I'm not in favour of just saying let's sack Solskjaer. But results matter. And then the way a team acts mimics how they feel about their manager. Mm -hmm. When you're petulant and your best players aren't running and you're at home, that is all a reflection of the manager. And so the loss is heavy. Their reaction and their performance. You asked for a performance mm -hmm. earlier today. Mm -hmm. That was terrible. You said Paul Pogba was mm -hmm. a liability mm -hmm. to his team. Can you expand on that, Tim? Well, he's one of the, well, supposed to be one of the best players in the world. He's a World Cup winner. We always talk about, when are we going to see the best of him? We're not. We're not going to see the best one. That, that is who Paul Pogba is in a nutshell. It's, it's probably true. Um, it, it, it's disheartening for the mm. Manchester United fans who were talking this season, Becca, about closing a 33-point gap on Liverpool and getting closer to where they, they want to be. We'll talk transfer window tomorrow when we've got the transfer window show. They're talking about centre-forwards. Two centre-backs and defenders they might need to start. I mean, there is, there is so much wrong with Manchester United at the moment. Mm -hmm. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer will have to put his head in, in a cold bath and, and, and start a whole rethink. They have until tomorrow, 6pm Eastern, to yeah. sign some players. Let's take you back to Arlo and Lee. It was a terrible day to be a Manchester United fan. Not mm. the best either to be a former Arsenal player watching Tottenham <laughs> play so well. Arlo White, Lee Dixon, over to you. Yeah, you love that lead, didn't you, really? Um, all the journalists around us here, Rebecca, feverishly typing away on their laptops to fill <clears throat> the column inches in tomorrow's papers over here in England. You know, from a defensive point of view, Lee, 
where has it gone wrong for Manchester United? Well, I just looked at the whole game today and, and it's easy to blame the back four. And, and yes, there was mistakes made all over the pitch, but the back four got exposed. The, the game plan, with the fluidity, we talked about what, what their game plan was today. I have no clue. I don't know what they were trying to do. Um, the defenders were hapless. There was mistakes all over the place. Some of the some of the attitudes and the heads going down was really worrying. And it and and Robbie's right. You know, teams can get beaten when they come up from a, a different league and they, they get surprised by this. They know what the Premier League's mm. all about. They know what's required of them. And quite frankly, you know, the manager takes responsibility for the team he picks. But Tottenham were brilliant. Let's get that out of yeah. the way first. They were brilliant. But what I saw some of the some of the lacklustre performances in giving up, and we talk about players sticking to their job and doing their jobs. All 11 of them should go home tonight and look at themselves, maybe not Martial because he wasn't on that long, and actually look at their, their performance and say, that for me wasn't good enough as an individual. And then you go and try and sort the team out. Individually, every single one of them was way below par and should be embarrassed today. Well, I think the transfer window or the deadline tomorrow should be fascinating. This was an extraordinary game, Rebecca. and These are extraordinary times in the Premier League. Good luck with the show tomorrow. We'll talk to you again next weekend. Joe, say great stuff from your side. What was it that they had that brought about Spurs' biggest ever win at Old Trafford in any competition? Yeah, that's normal. First of all, Man United doesn't lose many matches. Uh, historically at Old Trafford and secondly to lose by six is, of course it's not every day <laughs> so yeah historical victory but in the end three points and three very important points because we we lost five points at home one one defeat and and one draw and we managed to to win the six points away that keep us in a in a good position in the table what was the central factor behind that performance for you we prepare ourselves very well, uh, tactically, I think also uh, psychologically, the team was, was ready. Uh, so ready that uh, a penalty on, on the first minute and be losing immediately 1-0 uh, after one minute didn't affect the team at all. And I can uh, imagine that some, some people can say we play against 10 men for a long time, which is obviously true. But for me, it's also true that uh, 11 against 11, we were playing extremely well. We were creating them huge problems. We were winning 2-1, and they couldn't find uh, solutions to, uh, to control us. So I think it was really, really a, a very, very strong performance. What was your opinion of the sending off? And could perhaps the referee have viewed it differently with Eric Lamella's action? I didn't uh, watch it. Uh, maybe later I will. Um, but if somebody can cry about uh, VAR decisions, it's Tottenham. Not just this season, last season. And if somebody cannot cry about VAR, it's Manchester United for sure. But I don't know. The only thing that I know is that um, we played extremely well. Uh, I told the players, and I repeat, and I repeat, and I repeat, that a good result here would be to, to win. Um, and we managed to do that against a fantastic team full of top players. Well, Tim, there are still the odd Tottenham fan around that is not yet won over by Jose Mourinho. Do you think they'll be changed their mind by tonight? I, I said before the game, the thing I like about this team is, yes, I know they're pedestrian at times, but they know how they're going to win. And you look at Bale, Son, mm. Lamella, mm. Lucas Moura, Kane. You can park the bus when you have those guys up front and they do the business. I think it'll be something more than parking the bus for Becca with, with the quality that you're talking about. And, and I just get the sense that Spurs Football Club, the Jose effect is starting to, to mm. take, take on. And four games in this week, unbeaten them all, competitions that they'll be interested in. League Cup, Europa League might be two very important trophies for Chelsea this year. Jose won them both with Manchester United when he was manager there. Don't be surprised if he lands that silverware for them and then a top four sp spot. If any of these big boys, and we've seen Manchester United look all over the place at the moment from the first game and, and what we've seen today, if Manchester United and teams like that are not ready, Jose Mourinho might just slip Spurs into fourth spot. And Gareth Bale should be available after the international break for Jose Mourinho as another option as well. Luke, what can you say after such a heavy defeat? Um, not much, really, apart from, you know, we start well, we get the penalty, we go 1-0 up and... 
you know, I think that lack of concentration and, you know, sloppiness, then a mistake, another mistake, and, you know, even more mistakes that, you know, gave them chances and goals to, you know, to come back into the game. And the red card didn't help, but, you know, I think even before then, after the first goal, we switched off and, you know, it really hurts. You know, a club like Manchester United shouldn't be losing, I don't think, but losing in this way and, you know, in this sort of manner is, you know, it really hurts and, you know, it's kind of embarrassing because, you know, I feel like we've let a lot of people down today, you know, who are watching at home and, you know, we let ourselves down and, you know, we let the staff down and, you know, it really hurts. Ollie, we just spoke to Luke Shaw. He said at times that was sloppy, embarrassing and nowhere near good enough. Do you concur? <laughs> of course. It's uh, after 2-1 uh, when we're still in the game after the red card and everything after that is uh, all that it's for even quite a few things before then as well it's the but then you you don't win games or football uh, making individual mistakes errors or making yeah a performance like that just how alarming was that performance for you and the record equaling defeat well, of course, when it's uh, when we get the start, we did. You think, yeah, the, we got the game where we won it, and then you you make a few bad decisions, and you're suddenly two, three, one down, and then it's of course it's alarming. It's nowhere near good enough. Hold my hand up. It's it's my decision to uh, to pick the team I did, and we uh, also as a squad that's not good enough for Man United. Obviously, you're not happy about the red card but nah. you're not pinning it all on that either nah, are you the result there's no excuse but uh, he must be having an operation the boy in his throat it's a bad re reaction by Anthony uh, no excuse because the game's not lost there and then but we were in the game by then um, if that was one, one of my players I'd absolutely hang him up to dry because you don't go down as that it's actually Anto <laughs> if Anto had gone down he could have been going the other way so but he shouldn't react like that. Lots of talk about players coming in, but was that quite simply nowhere near good enough from the players here? Yeah, of course. It's it's uh, nowhere near good enough. And you, when you have a defeat like this, which has happened at the club before, you've just got to look yourself in the mirror, say, you, you, they're lucky now, the boys, or lucky, I don't know if it's lucky, but they're going away on international duty, some of them. The ones who are staying here, we've got a good time to uh, to work, and but we don't see each other for ten days, and that's that's hard now because we need to uh, battle our hatches or battle down and get together because that wasn't anywhere near good enough uh, as a squad or a team. You've been linked mainly with attackers, but that's 11 goals in the last three games. Is it not the defence that needs shoring up more than anything else? Is that where you need reinforcements? We defend as a team. We defend from the front. We defend as a as a group. And uh, whoever we're linked with doesn't mean it's true, is it? So uh, it's, we're going to be linked with players all day long. And uh, But we need, as a group and team, to get the performance uh, Performances as we were before the, the lockdown, or after the, or after the restart. So, where we were a very good defensive team, we didn't concede loads of goals. We, but with the talented players, that talented players, that's uh, it's something I have to look at because we can't be as open as we were today. Does it make it even more critical now that you get some more bodies in in this window? And can you tell us anything? Well, well, we, we'll probably update you if, uh, or you will know tomorrow night when the window's closed. But that's not about getting players in. This is about who, who's here and getting the best out of the ones who are here. And today was the worst <laughs> that you can get from these. So, and uh, no, I can't say anything than that. Well, he literally held his hands up and took responsibility. How much responsibility should Solskjaer take for that performance today? A ton. Um, he's responsible for the players he picks. If he continues to pick players such as, and I called Pogba a liability, you just, you just have to do away with him. Stick him on the training ground, put him in reserve, just say, look, the, the time is up. This is going to cost me my job. And he has, he, he's responsible for picking the right players with the right attitude. He, he's correct. It is Man United. That is an acceptable but he's choosing players who are accepting it. So it's on him to pick the right team. So you think that United should be done with Pogba? Well, we, well we've been asking. The, yeah, yes, we've been asking the question for 
for years now. When are we going to see the best of it? Well, yeah. at a certain point, you don't. He, he sits, Rebecca, in, in the biggest seat in club football. The biggest seat. And for all that happened today, when he when goes in that dressing room today, something could have changed. When, when the players walked out, who's thinking what? Who's thinking, oh, behind Dolly, this will never happen again? I don't get that sense. Mm. And because of that, as Tim says... I've, it's a tough decision, but somewhere down the line they have to decide, is this, he was a legend as a player. I'm not sure he's going to be a legend as a manager. 7-2. Could somebody please tell me what on earth is going on? Tim, what on earth is going on? Not, not 100% sure because <laughs> you, couldn't have seen that. you couldn't have seen that coming if you tried. I mean, Liverpool must have thought, we're just going to brush these aside today. But it was the other way around. I mean, it's it's the strangest result I, I think I've seen in a long, long time. Can you go and explain Villa, Villa it? the new Liverpool, Rebecca Lowe. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's ridiculous that... I just, looked at, I just looked at last season's league. Villa stayed up mm. by one point. Mm. Liverpool had 99 points at the top there. 54 <laughs> points between these two teams. And Villa moved them. And, and the, the thing about it, Rebecca, is they won 7-2... They could have scored 10, 11, 12 goals. I mean, Watkins hits the ball, keeper makes saves, Barkley has things. I have to point to the goalkeeper, though. Adrian Infra Allison is a poor, poor replacement. If We're back to the Mignolet and, and Carriers days where you're not sure what you're going to get from your goalkeeper. His start with the first goal sets a trend. He wasn't the only person to blame, and Liverpool weren't at the races. But that's a problem when your reserve goalkeeper goes in the net like that, Tim, and the opposition almost feel like, just shoot on target, we've got a chance. Let me say this, though. You're right. He's, not, he's no replacement for Allison, mm. probably the best in the world. And, and the first goal wasn't very good. Clearly, yeah. it was a mistake. But, I mean, <laughs> there were, they were one-on-ones. There was, there was empty nets. Absolutely. Liverpool, were, they were just weren't at the races. And mm-hmm. you, look at, you look at Trent Alexander-Arnold, Van Dyke. they almost yeah. looked, they, yeah. they looked human. We're not used to them looking human. Yeah. And they weren't even at the races today. No. Something seemed up. The great thing for me about Villa, as you said, they stayed up barely by the skin of their teeth. I'm looking after three games thinking, Villa are safe as houses this year. They're not going to go down. It's the first time under Jurgen Klopp I've seen Liverpool Football Club not turn up. Mm -hmm. They didn't turn up. There was no effort. There was no fight. There was no sport. There was no drive. That's so unlike a Jurgen Klopp team. I think it's one that I'll just say, bad day, move on. There's so many things that went wrong. Virgil. First time in 57 years, Liverpool has shipped seven goals. Uh, what went wrong? Uh, yeah, obviously, very disappointed. Um, also, if you look at the goals, you know we should have done better. And, uh, and it was one of those days where just you know obviously the three deflected shots you know didn't help. Obviously, the chances we had, we didn't score. We were quite too open. The organisation wasn't as good as normal. So it felt like it was one of those days where nothing went. You know what we how we wanted to go, and uh, but we can't take you know credit off of Aston Villa. So well done to them. Did Allison's absence unsettle things a little? I don't think we're gonna we're gonna blame entirely Adrian for this. Uh, obviously, we know that for example in the first goal he can do better, but uh, you know if you look at all the other goals, we could have almost, all of us could do better. So we're not gonna give that the reason why we lost here with big numbers. Has the conversation been in the dressing room after that. Obviously, it's going to be a bit difficult because everyone is, you know, going away today or tomorrow. So uh, we have to stick together. Uh, we experienced, we are an experienced group. Obviously, we didn't lose with this kind of number so far, and hopefully, never again. But it is key to stick together, and uh, you know, everyone has to contribute to that as well. And how important now is the Merseyside derby? It's always important, but it takes on an extra dimension, I guess. We're still early in the season. Obviously, we want to win every game. But what I said, everyone is going to their respective countries and have to perform for the countries, stay fit, don't get the coronavirus, and hopefully everyone's coming back fit and now we focus on uh, an Everton. Thanks, Virgil. Thank you. Well, it's well done, Virgil van Dijk, for coming out straight away and talking to the cameras. Is it a blip? Is it a freak result? Do you think, based on what you saw today, is that just a one-off for Liverpool? I would have to say yes, because there were so many things that were bad. There were so many things that were unrecognisable from the Liverpool team we've known over the last two, two and a half seasons. But I'd have to say yes, Rebecca. The 14 days don't, doesn't help before the next game, because you kind of would rather get back in training and back to it. 
But it is a derby game. They will be ready. But it's also a great one for the manager, just as, just as a warning. Whenever we're not right, if ever we turn up like that again, that's what can happen to us. We're still waiting to hear from Jurgen Klopp. What do you think he will say and should say? I think he's very measured, which is a good thing. And, and quite honestly, I think the international break after this helps. I would, I, he's got an experienced team. He's got the best team in England. You simply just say, look, go away, lads. Come back refreshed. We'll focus on the derby. We won't need any motivation for that game. And we'll just pretend this never happened. We'll see. Agree? I think privately, some harsher words, Rebecca. I think publicly, he'll always have that mm. group. He'll always put his arm around him and say how much he loves him. I just think privately, it'd be one or two like, come on, this is, this is what we have to be careful of. This happens again, and everybody's going to start talking. Might be going away. OK. Well, we've got to save time, haven't we, for the hat-trick hero, Ollie Watkins. First Premier League goals just happens to be a hat-trick against the champions. Here's Ollie Watkins. Ollie, understandably, you've got a big, beaming smile on yeah. your face. Have you tried pinching yourself yet just to make sure that really happened? Um, I think when the first one went in, I pinched myself a little bit because, uh, you know, I scored so early on. But, um, yeah, you know, I'm just delighted that I could contribute and uh, we won at the end of the day. You're clutching the match ball, rightly so. What yeah. is it like to be a Premier League goal scorer, and more than that, to score a Premier League hat-trick? Uh, unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, uh, before the game, you wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought that I'd, I'd score three goals. But, um, you know, after the first one, uh, got a bit of confidence and grew into the game, and I, I got chances. You know, I, I think I, um, at the end of the day, I should have I got more in the end. You could have scored a fourth and a fifth, uh, couldn't you? Yeah, I don't know if I was offside for the other one, but... I think one-on-one -on -one with the keeper, I've got to be scoring that. And uh, Ollie, don't be too harsh on yeah, yourself today. I know, I know, <laughs> but you know, I can. You can always improve, and I think, I think um, I back myself to score that. That does it for this edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. Be sure to check out other episodes where you'll get a collection of our most spirited in-studio debates as well as exclusive on-site access. Plus, don't miss out on Premier League mornings, weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern on NBCSN and Peacock Premium. Bye for now. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.